Welcome back, everybody. This is part two of my conversation with Jeff Pato regarding Vision OS and developing apps for it. And also the hardware, of course, the Apple Vision Pro hardware headset as well. So we're going to dive into it here. This part of the conversation, we talk about basically 3D uh, problems with early adoption. And we also answer some questions from the live chat room. So let's go ahead and get into it. So let's talk about the, the the 3D. And in many ways, this is what you, you've got to deal with and other app developers here, which is, yes, um, at the core of it, an app is, for the most part, most apps will be a 2D experience. But you have to deal with this 3D uh, space because I remember I was watching a stream or two of yours and, you know, we were saying about that that realization of, okay, I'm looking at the front of my UI and I'm doing my drawing and I've got the controls. But what happens if I step around to the back of it because I can do that, right? Yep. So, so you've got to deal with 3D space, even if you don't want to use it. Any thoughts on yeah. that? And and I think that Apple has kind of pushed uh, the more traditional style windowing that I, I was talking about earlier in this way of you kind of want to embrace 3D a little bit. And so you can see this in some of the designs of Apple's native apps. I think a big one is the music app, if you've, if you've seen any of that during the keynote, where mm. you've got your main window and it's got, you know, your now playing screen or it's got your browsing, your library, all of that. Um, but then you've got the actual controls and they're just a little tiny bubble just sitting in front of that main window. And it's sitting in front and slightly below that main mm -hmm. window. And I, I think it gives you a sense of separation. These two individual, I don't want to call them windows because like that, that bottom one isn't really its own window. This, this separation of controls where you, you are embracing this 3D experience, but it's not 3D in your face, you know, uh, mm. 3D movie style. It's, it's not jumping out at you. It's, it's just a very simple, like presenting a hierarchy. And so I think that that's what developers are mostly going to be interacting with is I have this thing. It's more prominent than this thing. So I'm going to set them slightly apart from each other. And these views that I'm putting, you know, in front of each other are still effectively two 2D windows, but I'm just aligning them in 3D. And I, I think that that's going to be where a lot of the development experience is going to be is just taking a bunch of 2D objects and and kind of providing a hierarchy to them. And that's kind of what I'm the approach that I'm taking with Kineo as well. You're not going to be able to do 3D drawings. This isn't um what's that Google app, Tilt Brush. You're not oh, going to be able to yeah. draw a 3D uh character in the app and animate that around. What I'm doing is you've got a set of layers and those layers are separated by some amount of space and it's it's more like a you know like a, a cardboard puppet theater type effect where yeah. you've got these 2d elements and they're able to pass in front of or behind each other you're able to have this static background that kind of thing but things aren't moving around in full 3d and, and i think that that is the kind of style that a lot of the early apps especially at least the ones that aren't you know games or 3D experiences. Uh, I, I think that that's a lot of what we're going to see is this this kind of two and a half D design aesthetic, and I, I think you see it a lot even from Apple and even in the system apps. 
that that is going to be kind of the paradigm that that a lot of apps are going for. And I I do I think that that's the right thing to do because I think that way it it solves two problems. You are you're giving users, you know, as they come on with this new experience, something that feels natural and something they are used to, right? You know, like you say, like a stack of papers, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It's something we can relate to not only in the real world, but with real objects, but also in apps that we've used. And so it's, it's kind of a crossover transitional period as all the smart folks out there figure out, I, I guess we're going to sort of go through a bit of that delicious library feeling where people are going to figure out, okay, someone's come up with a good idea how to make 3D feel natural, and then we all start to move towards that. So the yep. users get to learn from the experience as it goes forward, and and essentially it's also helping folks get used to this new uh, Apple way of thinking and interacting with things. And the side effect here, of course, is it helps the developers with their apps as well. You're not having to create a bunch of 3D assets. You're not having to, exactly. you know, su- suddenly design in multiple dimensions. You're yeah. you're still interacting with the same basic building blocks and you're just placing them slightly different. And I think that you've kind of like now that we know where this was headed, you can kind of see that Apple started moving in this direction a while ago. Think about in iOS 13, we kind of had this redesign of the way that you present modal UI in the in mm. iOS, where it was no longer, you know, completely taking over the screen, but you've got like the the thing behind recedes slightly, it's got a shadow, and the new sheet slides up over the top of it, and you can see just a little bit of what was behind there is you know still present that you kind of have this understanding of space in the UI and i think that that now feels very much like what we're seeing in vision pro where you've got elements literally in front of or behind each other whereas that's that's only emulated on a 2d screen with this this sheet presentation i i think that you can see that this this is very much they were trying to set the stage for this style of Hey, you know, like understanding where things are on the Z axis effectively, even though there's not a real Z axis on iPhone or iPad. You know, and it's, isn't it funny when things like this happen? And, and like you say, you know, it's a case of Apple sort of tricks you into doing these things without you knowing why. And then later on you go, Oh, Oh, I see what you did there. And, And that's a good example right there. Yeah, using the the subtle shadows for 3D separation on a 2D screen is now, oh, now we actually have the actual separation. Now now you actually have real separation, and it's honestly casting shadow. And that shadow is based on the light in your room, like the the physical light in the real world. Uh, Yeah, no, now it it makes more sense. On that note, I just had a a, a thought of um, something that would be great. And I'm thinking back to my discussion on an episode. I'll put a link in the show notes for folks. Is some of the debugging apps and things like that. And yeah, Rocket Sim is the one I'm thinking of when I was talking on uh, with Antoine Vandely. And, uh, you know, he was saying about bringing that to Vision OS and what that might look like. And, And now as we're talking about it here, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, give me that that Xcode debug where I can 
if I'm the developer, I can sort of pause the app, stretch out the each of the parts of my interface in 3D. But instead of looking at in Xcode, you know, I can now walk around the app in virtual space mm-hmm. to find where did that icon go and see that, you know, it's like, oh, there it is, 15 levels deep behind this window. Not that that has yep. ever happened to any of us, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it does bring in interesting ways of, you know, not only using apps, but building them and debugging them and things like that. Now, I, I want to ask a question here, um, and, and, and this, this might be a loaded question, I'm not sure. So oh, no. feel free to take from it what you want. Uh, let's now talk about, you know, the, the, this is all the good side, all right, and all the wondrous things. As I've been watching you uh, explore Vision OS and other folks too, but I, you know, of all the folks that I watch on streaming, various places, I, I feel like you're the one who's really taken this and said, okay, let, let's do something realistic here, right? Let's go beyond the pull apart this part of the framework and see what it does and actually use it for something. So what kind of problems, and and we should preface this, right? We are obviously recording this way before the final release. So anything we say now may be completely meaningless and hopefully it will be. Um, But what kind of problems have you encountered? Uh, I will say the number one problem is that you can't Google for anything. Uh, no, nobody else has run into these problems yet. And so if you're stuck on like, how do I do something? You type it into Google. There's, there's no results. Nobody's asking this on Stack Overflow. Mm -hmm. Uh, nobody's, nobody's writing medium thought pieces about all of the, the problems that you might run into with vision OS. So yeah, you are kind of very much out there on your own right now with, with a lot of what's happened in vision pro. And, and so, yeah, I would say that that's the number one thing out there. Number two is, and, you know, this is kind of ties back to number one. There's a lot of stuff that is either unfinished or unpolished in the current versions of Vision OS. And I, I think that a problem that you can run into pretty often is I'm trying something and it's not working the way that I expect it to work. Is this A, not implemented, B, implemented but buggy and i can't tell whether anybody else is also running into the same bug because nobody else is kind of asking about it or (laughs) see completely intentional behavior and it's just not documented well and so you you kind of run into this like should i even be trying to do this and so um you know i ran into this the other night where I was trying to do this effect that you can see in some previews that they have of the Photos app where you've got your photo there and it just kind of like fades out in this nice, you know, gradient, transparent uh, effect to the rest of the world. You don't have this hard cut off for some of your photos, but it just kind of like, you know, has this like ghostly vignette effect around the photo. And I was trying to emulate that for my layer picker in Kineo, where you can kind of put the layers into 3D. You can kind of set them apart and it just like fans them out. But because you're still limited to a fixed window space, it does just like clip at one point. And Mm. so what I wanted to do is I wanted to have it just kind of like gradually fade out the bottom of the bottommost layer so that it doesn't have that hard clip there. And I tried forever to get that to work. 
tried things that, as far as I know, would work just fine on iOS. Nothing had any effect. And so what I don't know is like, does this not, is this not supported in Vision OS? Is this just not a thing that I can do? Is this a thing that I should be able to do, but it's buggy and it doesn't work? Or is this a thing that I should be able to do and it's just not implemented yet? And unfortunately, like if you Google Swift UI mask Vision OS, <laughs> there's no results. Nobody else has tried this. Um, and, and so you kind of got to be on your own. You can obviously file feedback and say, hey, I think this should work. Does it? And Apple, to their credit, have been fairly, um, uh, fairly responsive to Vision OS feedbacks, but it's still it's still feedback. You, you get what you you would expect to get from feedback. And yeah, I think that it's unfortunate. Like, it is nice that they, they are responding and they have been pretty good about saying like, oh, no, this should work or this this is unsupported. What they're a little bit more cagey about is like this should work. And if I say, well, it's clearly not there's 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 not much uh, that they can tell me uh, at this point to say like, oh, yeah, no. This should work, but it, it doesn't just wait for a future beta. Like you, you're not going to get that kind of information out of Apple. It's d- difficult and tricky, right? Because normally the way it goes for me and, and I'm, I'm going to assume it goes for a lot of people is, yeah, you, you hit a, hit a barrier and you start Googling or you start going to the documentation. You start experimenting with the code. The questions come up. Is it me? Is it a bug on the Apple side? Is this even the way I should be doing this? And if I'm not finding anything, it suggests that I'm going about this completely the wrong way. And the, unfortunately, with with something that's a pre-release, uh, especially hardware, uh, at this point, the answer is going to be yes, all of the above. <laughs> because, <laughs> yeah. like you say, you know, um, you can reach out to Apple. They might help you, you know, not because they don't want to, but because they may not know the answer themselves yet. And they're still working through it. And and you touch on a good point, which is things like Apple development platforms, Swift in particular, have some fantastic communities out there. We are both members of, of some of them. And yep. uh, we, you know, everybody loves to help everybody and solve their problems and everything else. However, uh, there is also going to be the situation right now where some folks may know the answer to your problem but cannot tell you because of NDAs. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I'm the first to say, hey, I'm anytime I've signed an NDA on anything, I fully respect what I'm signing and follow the rules, right? And, yep. you know, um, some people don't. That's their choice. So, therefore, sometimes you might see someone post something and you're like, oh, I know the answer, but I cannot tell them. Um, yeah, and it's frust- you know, you get frustrated because you, you want to help someone and you can't. Um, so there is a lot of that too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the bigger problem right now is that there's, you know, millions of iOS developers, most of whom have been doing this for years mm. and they're able to produce, uh, you know, in, in, in aggregate much more content than, oh, there's probably, you know, a couple thousand people really taking vision OS seriously right now. Um, and all of them have had the SDK for three months. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot less backlogged content out there from people who have gone, okay, yes, I tried this. I ran into this issue and I can, you know, concretely say this is a bug or this doesn't work. It's a lot of people in the same kind of vein as me. It's like, I'm trying these things, whether it works or not. Like, I, I don't know the answer. And so I, I think that 
to the extent that there is this kind of content out here, it's a lot of the same people kind of fumbling around in the dark. And, yeah. uh, you know, everybody's trying to help everybody else. And that is a lot of why I'm doing kind of some of this stuff with my stream and then also republishing that stream to YouTube is I'm trying to put out there like, here's what I've tried. Here's what I've found to work. Here's what I've found to not work. And at least, you know, somewhat help somebody else out there and go, yeah, no, like this is what I've noticed. Yeah. And, you know, thank you to you and all the other content makers out there for doing that. Right. You know, and, and I know that you and I similar goals in that sense, which is, you know, give back to all the communities that have helped me as as much as yep. I can within the rules that I'm constricted by. Um, exactly. You know, which can be difficult sometimes, but I think understandable too, right? When this hardware drops next year, early next year, they're saying, you plan to have some kind of device or access to a device, right? When it goes final. I think yep. that's safe to say at this point. Um, and, and I want to share with everybody here something funny because I have not done anything with the Vision OS yet. Not because I don't think it's an interesting and good platform. It just doesn't fit in the space of apps and things that I build that would really benefit. However, you know, you then gave me a challenge, which was such an interesting idea. And I'm not going to dive into the details on it too much here at the moment, but it was such an interesting idea that it was like, oh, dang it, I got to do this now because <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> and yep. and it allows me to cross over and continue my my 3D exploration at the same time. You know, thanks to you, I now need to get into this mess. So appreciate yeah, that, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, but I, I think what you were saying is, is kind of really hitting the nail on the head right now is that there aren't many people doing this right now because it doesn't affect their their day-to-day. -day. This isn't something that is super important to them right now. Mm -hmm. um, that, that you know, their app doesn't need to be special for Vision OS. I mean, really, come on, Kineo doesn't either. Uh, I'm doing this because I'm interested in this platform and I wanted to have a project to go and build, like, teach myself Vision OS through taking an, another project out there. Kineo happens to be the best one for Vision OS. I think it does have a reason to exist on Vision OS that isn't necessarily true of any of my other apps. You know, I, I think a lot of people are going to be in that same sort of like, well, you know, like, I'll, I'll see how it goes. You know, this could go the way of the iMessage app store. And there's no point in me putting my time into this at all. And, and I, I don't I don't fault anybody for that. I, I think that's a totally reasonable approach to take to say, you know, I, I'm going to wait and see. And then if I need to learn this later, I, I'm going to go learn this later. Um, but that is why I don't think that we see too many people, you know, out there asking questions on Stack Overflow or posting things on Medium or anything like that, because a lot of people just don't feel the need to get into it yet. That's the approach I want to see people take. That to me is a lot better than what we had before where, you know, people were making things just because, right? And and a million variations of each one, none of them particularly serving the space, be it 3D, 2D or otherwise. So I would actually kind of hope that maybe this side of the industry grew up a little bit and realized, yeah, we don't need to keep throwing stuff out just because it's there. And I think we see that right now, too, with watch apps, right? And I think 
in for watch apps it's easy because you've got a limitation which is the screen is only as big as it is right so but but i i think we actually saw the opposite in the initial days of the watch i think somebody was saying this on my stream the other day which is like hey with watch os one like everybody put out a watch app and yeah, so many yeah, of yeah. those are dead today like you know <laughs> slack had a watch app and you could you could respond to your slack messages on your watch and yeah that that doesn't exist anymore um, and, and I think, I think that's kind of thing happened that a lot of people chased the idea of, Hey, let's go out and let's build this because Apple's making it and Apple's going to sell a billion of them. And, you know, this is the next big thing. I, I think Apple has kind of set expectations a little bit better with the vision pro. I mean, a big part of it yeah, is they're yeah. charging $3,500 for it. Uh, people are going to go, Oh yeah. You know, they're not going to go out and sell. 500 million of yep. these in the first year. We can kind of take a, a slower, slower burn to yeah, it. I, but yeah, I, I, I think that, I, I think that it will. Yeah. I, I think that things are going to be more mature this time than, uh, well, you know, some of the, and on that side of it, I guess it is literally the, the physical embodiment of the I'm rich app, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you can, you can sell the, I am rich app for $0 <laughs> because Hey, you already <laughs> yeah, had 3,500 to yeah. get in. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to the day when I encounter someone in the public space wearing one of these things, be it Apple's or anybody else's, and seeing what I really think about that. Because, and I know they say, look, don't wear this in public, but people are going to, right? You know, that, that's like saying, don't drop <laughs> your, your phone yeah. in the swimming pool, but it happens. You know, yeah. as, as I've said a few times, as someone in the chat room says that guy is going to get robbed in public. Uh, yeah. Um, but that's yep. the thing right there, right? Is I've already said, don't, don't come at me with one of these on your head. I'm just not going to talk to you. <laughs> right. It's as simple as that. And also when people realize, see the lady wearing the headset and it's like, I can see the person on the inside. It's like, mm, no, this is not how that's working. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and the same from the flip side yep. right they're not uh well i mean they they are sort of looking through the glass but they're not and so it's it's going to be interesting yeah no it's it's all virtual it's when we become comfortable enough with that virtual that we forget it's virtual right and i guess there's a whole other you know uh we can go back to the you know the william gibson uh <laughs> days right <laughs> you know it's like well we finally got there right um and if people who don't know who william gibson is it was an yep. author look it up um we finally his books have become reality <laughs> he's 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 kind of the 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 father of you know what has now recently been popularized of of the uh cyberpunk genre and the first person to steampunk their uh vision uh os device want to see that on on instagram <laughs> all right is there uh is there anything else we yeah. haven't covered here that we wanted to talk about in this um I, i'm glad that we focused squarely on the vision os because i think long overdue for me talking about it uh no i i think that we've kind of covered a, a lot of the uh the knowledge that we've been able to uh yep. kind of get together so far um and uh i'm i'm excited to see you know what does this look like when it when it finally comes out when it finally releases it's going to be good and um, i think we successfully stayed clear of any potential trouble spots chat room you got any questions for us we we will happily make up answers that sound convincing uh mono asks not serious does vision os support UIKit? well i'm going to give a serious answer whether you uh want it or not <laughs> it does support UIKit, and um 
in fact, you know, you have kind of the same sort of problem with uh, SwiftUI generally that sometimes, yeah, you do need to fall back to UIKit to make things work well in VisionOS. Um, I think that a big one in this with Kineo right now is the way that I handle window resizing. Kineo is very much built around the idea that you have this square canvas, well, rounded square canvas. The way that VisionOS resizing for, or VisionOS uh, window resizing by default works is it's like the Mac. It is fully freeform. You can resize a window to whatever shape or size you want. And I didn't want that functionality in VisionOS. That's not exposed in SwiftUI for VisionOS. Thankfully, it is in UIKit. And it's weird because it is only in UIKit, but this is also a very VisionOS-only framework. But uh, that's what I needed to do. I needed to reach back down into VisionOS and, or sorry, reach back down into UIKit and tell it, go, hey, you know, this window, this needs to have uniform resizing. Yeah, so that was something that I had to do in UIKit that was not possible in SwiftUI. So yes, uh, VisionOS does support UIKit just fine. Uh, sometimes you still need to use it. That is interesting because it points back to a question a lot of us get um, on our live streams and uh, just from other developers, which is always the, you know, sh should I learn UIKit? And hopefully what this is telling folks is you may not want to learn UIKit, and I can completely understand that, but here we are with a brand new computing platform and it still uh, needs support from the underlying, let's just say it, older technologies at this point. And hopefully the takeaway for people there is, yeah, you know, just because a new thing comes along, um, even Apple can't ditch the old stuff. So, you know, take that as a, yeah, yep. it, it serves. A, I've seen you say this and I know I've said it. It serves to at least understand UI kit enough to deal with it if you have to, because you will have to at some point. <laughs> yep. It, yeah. it, it'll still be there at some point. Um, yeah. Adam Wolf asks uh, similarly, um, you know, can UIKit do everything? Can I delay learning SwiftUI even longer? <laughs> uh, I think the practical answer to that question is yes, um, you can do whatever you want to do in UIKit. You can delay learning SwiftUI even longer. Is it a good idea? I, I, I don't think so. I think that Apple's made it clear that SwiftUI is where things are moving and to kind of go to what I said much earlier in the podcast, if you built your app in SwiftUI, you kind of got a lot of your Vision OS looking right for free. I think if you're doing something in UIKit, even if you're doing something in UIKit where you've got it on both iPadOS and VisionOS, I think you're going to run into, you've got to do a lot more making things specific to each platform. Whereas SwiftUI is going to be much more general. You're going to be able to do a lot more of like just describing the general layout of your app and it's going to just magically do the right thing on SwiftUI versus, or sorry, on VisionOS versus uh, iOS. You can go build something entirely in UIKit to make something more cross-platform. You're going to be better off doing at least the outer shell of it in SwiftUI. You know, Adam Wolf says here, uh, you know, I, do need to buckle down and learn it. Waited too long for Objective-C to Swift. I'm in danger of waiting too long again for Swift UI. Um, yep. Yes, because I think with that, you know, my comment on that would be you have a better chance of the, the system and the communities 
helping you out with Swift UI on these newer platforms than, the, you know, like, for example, UI kit. Not to say that there isn't, a, a, of course, there's a mountain of UI kit stuff out there. But with these newer platforms, you know, definitely, like you said, Apple and... The people that are early adopters for VisionOS are going to be the early adopters for Swift UI as well. I, absolutely. Yeah, de- absolutely. That's where I was going with that is, you know, that's what you're going to find out there, right? Um, very much like the early days where we were like, hey, where's a Swift version of this Objective-C, right? Yeah. You know, something like that. Um, you know, Kane H says here, uh, parallels for Vision OS to run Mac OS apps. I would love to see something like that. Uh, so they they definitely showed off in the keynote that you're going to be able to basically just plug in your Mac and uh, run uh your Mac in a window in Vision OS. Uh, I think maybe what KNH is asking for is like running Mac OS directly without having a Mac. That's what I was wondering. It. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would be nice to have that. I mean, we're talking about supporting UIKit. I don't, I don't see any reason why, uh, you know, Vision OS shouldn't just support AppKit as well. Just, you know just be able to install both apps natively on, on Vision OS. I think that sounds yeah. great. I mean, at the core, right? I, I get it. It's not this simple, but. A lot of the underlying on all these platforms is pretty much the same thing, right? Um, yeah. You know, it's all just macOS eventually. Yeah, it's just the abstraction of whatever UI layer above it's, it. It's, it's ultimately so. all just next step eventually, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still look around; you'll find that NS something in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I will say uh, to kind of to kind of touch on something that we've we've jumped around a couple times. I have also at this point written Objective C for vision os as well and uh i i'm i can announce that that also works so if if you are somebody that's a very late bloomer uh and wants to write your ui kit in objective c on the vision pro it's there it it does work kudos to apple for this right because yeah you know i feel like that is one of those where okay put aside the underlying like we spoke of earlier the underlying stuff that's under the hood that's kind of always there um, Apple didn't have to do that, but yet they did. You know, uh, it's another, I think, good sign of Apple trying to move everybody to the new world, but acknowledging that, hey, even even we have to use the old stuff somewhere along the way, right? Yeah. You know, exactly. um, I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like, how much of UIKit itself is written in Objective C? Like most of it. Uh-huh. So yeah, obviously it's going to have to work if they're going to support UIKit at all. So. Um, but yeah, no, no it, it it's still available there. If you want it, you can you can go write everything in Objective C. It, it works just fine. Even Apple, I'm sure, would admit that years away from their dream than they would like too, which is final separation of, of the two. Yep. It's like it's just it's just not going to happen, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. You you would at that point you would literally have rewritten the thing from scratch. And as we all know, working for companies of any size, even a size of Apple. That's just not something you can do that easily. You don't, you don't have those resources. You need those resources to go build iOS 24. Exactly. And you don't make better cameras by rewriting Objective-C, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, chat room, anything else you want us to cover here? We're not going to be roasting any code this week. That's the good news. Uh, that's that's because Peter's not streaming. So Yeah, I, I haven't screwed anything up this week. I've, I've actually had two successful... <laughs> sessions much to my surprise but you know it's like hey it happens you know (laughs) all right uh so tell folks 
Firstly, tell them where, where they can find Kineo right now to use it on their outdated 2D devices. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's on uh, kineo.app, uh, K-I-N-E-O dot A-P-P. Um, find it uh, there and uh, that'll link you to the app store. Right. You can find uh, all my, my uh, you know, my doings, all of my other apps and my Twitch account uh, at cocotype.com. And uh, th- that'll link you to everything else, including Kineo. Yep, we will put links in the show notes for all of this, including uh, you should definitely go on to uh, Jeff's YouTube and check out, uh, follow along, right? You know, binge watch the the Vision OS development series of, of turning Kineo uh, into cyberspace, right? Definitely yep. got to do it. I've, I've got uh, separate playlists for all of my Vision OS streams, all of my Kineo streams. So if you are wanting to focus on any one thing in particular, it's it's pretty easy to find. And want to give a special shout out to the the chat room on Jeff's stream on the Coco Type stream, who have been for the most part watching two two very empty squares talking to each other. And I don't mean the people; I mean literally the graphics on the screen um, th- throughout this. So thank you to them uh, for for letting us invade Jeff's stream with uh, <laughs> with the, the, the podcast. So there you go. That's it, folks. Um, you know what to do. If this has been helpful, tell your friends about it. Tell other developers. Spread the good word. And we will see you on the live streams. <laughs>